This is A New Angle, a show about cool people doing awesome things in and around Montana. I'm your host, Justin Angle. This show is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. Hey folks, welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. Today's guest is Michelle Ubaraga, Executive Director of the Park County Environmental Council. And I think that's something that really sets PCEC apart, is we we see ourselves as a community organization. And that community includes, you know, a very wild ecosystem and the people that live there. PCEC does important work to protect the land, water, wildlife, and people throughout the Northern Gateway to Yellowstone National Park. Michelle, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Justin. So tell us, where did you grow up and what did your parents do? I had the, the great pleasure of growing up in Mount Rainier National Park. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Park Service housing. Okay. Closest town was Ashford, Washington. Mm-hmm. And my dad worked for the Park Service, so that's why I got to live there. And um, my mom was a teacher. She taught second grade for most of her career. Yeah, so how far away was your school? Well, we actually, the school was right adjacent to the Park Service housing. Okay. So the kids in my neighborhood... You know, there were probably anywhere from 10 to 15 of us would walk kind of in a, a group from the Park Service housing through the woods on a little path to school. But we were the only kids that could walk home from school. Everybody else bust in. I recall once, you know, having an excuse that I didn't do my homework and a teacher saying I should run home and grab it. Oh, you're very yeah. close. Yeah, that excuse probably has fewer legs, yeah. I guess. <laughs> And so give us kind of your potted bio of how you became interested in environmental law and how you found your way to PCEC. Well, I mean, I, I certainly think growing up in a national park, I guess it could go two ways. You know, some kids can't wait to get out of there. But for me, I love to tell people I, you know, I grew up under this thick canopy of forest and I, I have moss in my heart. It, mm-hmm. The green of the Pacific Northwest is deeply imprinted. Uh, my parents are both from Idaho originally, and my mom would always talk about missing the sky and the view of the sky. And I was like, I, we have sky. But yeah, she grew up on the prairie. And now that I live in uh, a part of Montana with a lot of sky, I understand what she meant by that. But when I was a kid, you know, it was just thick forests and trees and berries. I grew up with a deep love and appreciation for wild places spent time all over the West. I've lived in, of course, I grew up in Washington. I went to school in Oregon. I lived in Alaska, did a, a, a stint skiing in Utah. I made my way to Montana to work in Yellowstone, which is kind of a classic story for this part of Montana. Uh, my first home in Montana was Cook City. Okay. That's a good place to land. Yeah, I'm man, and I love Cook City, and it felt familiar. It's kind of there's thick, thicker trees there. It's kind of um, you know more so than than at least Livingston, where I am now. But so spent some time in Cook and in Gardner, working on a research crew in Yellowstone. Then ultimately, I decided that science, as important as science is, that I am more of an advocate. Okay. And um, so that took me to law school. And where did you go to law school? I went to law school in Missoula. I absolutely loved it. It's a great school, a great community. And yeah, I had the opportunity to practice law for a while. Uh, I worked for 
earth justice for a bit. You know, I always knew that conservation was what I wanted to do with my law degree. And, you know, there really aren't a ton of, you know, I think we romanticize the idea of kind of doing environmental litigation. And there aren't a ton of practitioners in that field. We have some really great folks at Earth Justice, Western Environmental Law Center. And so I, I did have the opportunity to work with them for a bit. Then I also did local work representing, you know, just people in my community on land use planning issues. And then I was recruited by actually a, a good friend who works for Earth Justice and was serving on the board of the Park County Environmental Council. They were hiring an executive director. Uh, and she recruited me, encouraged me to apply. It was a 10-hour-a-week job, which I thought would complement my uh, also part-time legal work that I was doing at the time, you know, so that I could get out of the house a bit and, and mm-hmm. be more present in my community. And so that's that's how I got started. Uh, Park County Environmental Council, 10 hours a week is, there was way more work to do. <laughs> Yeah, it would seem like you could uh, easily extend well past those 10 hours. But before we get into that, like, tell us what is Park County Environmental Council? How did it come to be? What is the organization all about? So Park County Environmental Council, we say PCEC, mm-hmm. um, is, you know, is an organization that's been around for a long time. So it was founded by people in this community 30 plus years ago. We're a, a place-based, community-led conservation group. We're in a really unique position because we live on the northern edge of Yellowstone National Park. So issues that are are very local and important to us as residents and neighbors, they're also really important to people all over the state and at the national level as well. So, uh, you know, our, our mission is to safeguard the land, water, wildlife and people in Park County. But because we're we're here in Yellowstone's northern gateway, those issues matter to people all over the country. And one word that is, you know, it was prominent in, in your description just now. It's also prominent in your your web presence is the word community. And so, you know, when you think of the community and its need for representation on these issues, like how would you describe that community? Who who, who is in it, and, and what are the kind of values that that need to get represented? Community is really important to us. Uh, we really value being an authentic voice and representing our community. And we have a really diverse community here in Park County. One thing I would say that is a common value, no matter, you know, whether you've been a longtime resident or you're new or your socioeconomic status, people really value the wild place mm-hmm. that we live in. River, the wild lands, wildlife, and access to enjoy those things. So we have a lot of shared values that makes it actually relatively easy to find things to work on together. And I have a good example of that. One of our big success stories, we worked starting in 2015, we worked to prevent two industrial scale gold mines that were proposed on Yellowstone's northern border. And those gold mine proposals came to town and hundreds of people turned out to community meetings because they were really upset about the potential for industrial scale gold mining and the threat that that would bring to our way of life, the things we love about this place, and including the jobs that we have in this community that are really dependent upon a wild ecosystem. We organized really with the people who were most directly impacted, and those were 
local business owners. We helped local business owners form the Yellowstone Gateway Business Coalition, which became a coalition of 400 plus local businesses working together saying that Yellowstone is more valuable than gold, that our community and our local economy depend upon an intact ecosystem and the clean, free-flowing water in the Yellowstone River, and that we we didn't think we needed an industrial-scale gold mine, that there was we had more at stake than there was to gain. And I'm assuming this proposal for the gold mines was coming from outside the community as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the very the first one was a company called Lucky Minerals, and they're based out of Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't have much skin in the game. Nobody really trusted that they were going to, you know, operate in a way that matched with our community values. Right. People were really nervous, and they didn't understand that they would be mining in a really sensitive place in grizzly bear habitat, really, and at the headwaters of the Yellowstone River. One of our most impacted friends and neighbors is uh, Chico Hot Springs. And the owner of Chico was a really important ally. And, you know, he really was concerned about the hot water coming out of the mountain. Once they start drilling right behind Chico and those mountains, how could that impact the hot spring? You know, not to mention just truck traffic and all the other impacts from potential industrial mining. We see ourselves as community organizers. We're not the experts. People in this community, our friends, our neighbors, everybody has skin in the game. Um, so this is a real success of of people coming together from the ground up, talking to local electeds, folks at the state level, the governor, all the way to D.C., and eventually passing federal legislation to protect 30,000 acres of public lands from mining. And that, that bill passed... In 2019, and it was it was actually signed into law by President Trump. Fantastic. And so, when you approach and engage in an issue like this, I mean, you mentioned community organizing a moment ago. What are the tools in your kit? I mean, you do prior do you prioritize litigation, activism, organizing, or how would you describe the suite of tools that you use to engage? We use all those tools. That's something unique about being like a place based organization. Mm-hmm. We're going to gather around an issue with community partners, community members, and we're going to assess the threat and make a plan. And a lot of times we make campaign plans together in community with people saying, OK, well, what's our goal here? What are we trying to accomplish? And, you know, a, a good example of that is a uh, was a, a gravel pit in our community. And you know, all the neighbors were really concerned we came together, they formed their own group, which was called Emigrant Neighbors, and we made a campaign plan. And we we knew that we might need to use litigation. We didn't want to, so that's expensive. That's always, as an attorney, that's always your last ditch effort. You wanna work together to avoid that. Ultimately, the issue that was the most important that that, that kind of won the day was the cultural resources on the site. There was a basalt cliff and buffalo, historic buffalo jump on the proposed site. And that was the thing that that raised the most alarm bells for the uh, Department of Environmental Quality. And I would imagine there are big trade-offs with litigation. You said it's sort of your your your, your last ditch effort, but also, you know, there's there's by virtue of aligning yourself with other environmental organizations in law in lawsuits that can kind of reductively fall into the 
oh, those are just the enviros. Don't listen to them and kind of become partisan pretty quickly, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and as a community organization, we don't want to sue our neighbors. <laughs> no. No, we're going to talk to our neighbors. The one issue that we did litigate was the gold mines. And that was because the Department of Environmental Quality issued them permits mm-hmm. without requiring an environmental impact statement. And so we worked with a coalition of partners and Earth Justice represented us and they used our right to a clean and healthful environment under the Montana Constitution and argued that they should have done more environmental review. And we won at the local level and then we won at the Montana Supreme Court on that issue. And now there's really great precedent and it really reinforces the importance of our constitutional right to a clean and healthful environment. So that's a a great example of successful litigation in the way we want to litigate. We already have the support, widespread support, bipartisan support in our community for that issue. So uh, uh, people were really happy that we were standing up for what they wanted and using the courts when we needed to. We'll be back to our conversation with Michelle Ubaraga after this short break. A New Angle is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and UM's College of Business. Access to capital, broadband, and education are three ingredients any community needs for success. Hey, this is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanas from ESPN Missoula, and you're listening to A, a New, New Angle. Angle. Welcome back to A New Angle. I'm speaking with Michelle Ubaraga, Executive Director of the Park County Environmental Council. Continuing on this theme of community, that's one thing that you know, Montana has sort of been interrogating on a broad basis, particularly over the last few years with the influx of a lot of new folks and new types right. of industry. Population pressure, it puts a lot of pressure on the resources. Talk about that. How has growth come to pass in Park County and how is PCEC approaching the the, the challenges that growth presents? This is a pretty great place to live. And so, you know, there are more and more people moving to all all across Montana. So we're certainly seeing growth. One thing I would say is that there's a lot of recognition in our community that growth and change is coming. And so we kind of have two options. We can either let that growth happen to us or we can come together and create a shared vision for how we want to grow. And I'm really proud of our community for coming together to create kind of a vision for how we want to grow. A great example of that is what's happening right now at our, our with our city. The city of Livingston just recently passed uh, a new growth policy. And that growth policy is really thoughtful and really addresses the fact that we're going to grow. So how do we want to grow? We have a town of seven, 8,000, and there were thousands of people commenting in different parts of that update. So people showed up to meetings, they commented online, really used their voices to say, this is how we want to grow. And we got a growth policy that reflects that community voice. So we really got an awesome product that I think people feel really proud of. The big picture is that it says, you know, we want to grow. We want to really emphasize our historic downtown and grow within the footprint that we already have right now instead of sprawling into our open space and kind of the wild spaces around Livingston. And also talked a lot about housing and prioritizing 
making sure that this is a place that people can continue to live. I mean, I would say that population pressure isn't really the issue, but wealth inequality is certainly a big issue that we're seeing here and everywhere. So housing was uh, something that the community really highlighted as an issue. Community resilience is another one. And that's kind of been even more emphasized since the floods. Yeah, let's press on the floods for a moment. Uh, you know, it was such a devastating event across the, the 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 entirety of Park County, I would imagine. Talk about how that event and its aftermath has sort of given salience to a lot of those issues that you described, housing and, and climate change and so forth. The floods were a bit of a, a wake-up call. We live in a wild place. Got the longest undammed river in the lower 48 right running through town. And that's something we all really love and value. And, and, you know, there's a lot of responsibility to living on a river like that. And so I would say the, the reality is that people in our community were impacted some worse than others, and we are still recovering. Gardner and Cook City were especially hard hit, but people really came together. And um, we are starting important conversations about what we need to do moving forward, what it means to live on that river, about emergency response, taking care of one another, and then preparing for the next thing because we yeah. certainly are going to have more incidents like this. We're already gearing up for another season. So the recovery is ongoing, and, and I think we're being really thoughtful about how we recover, where we put human infrastructure so that we can avoid these types of flooding incidents in the future. And so how does PCEC just plug in on these these issues that you just described? Well, one thing, you know, we are boots on the ground in this community. You know, we, we really value that we respond to community issues. So we have a lot of flexibility where we're fundamental to the how we work is being nimble and creative and working together. So when Yellowstone River was rising, our staff took a huge role in helping organize sandbagging efforts right here in Livingston. So, and we also had throughout the summer, a team of AmeriCorps volunteers who were also able to mobilize to help. You know, we were just organizers supporting so many people in our community that were coming together. That's something that we really value and we make sure that that's in our work plans for the year that we're going to be able to step in and respond. And then we have a membership here in Park County, uh, we have about 3,000 plus supporters. So our members, I can we consider members people that are actually paying their annual news. And that's like 600 members. But our list is huge for supporters. We talked a lot about, you know, we're not a mutual aid organization. We're a grassroots community conservation group. But we have a lot of people. And this is a all hands on deck kind of situation so we just emailed our members, gave as many up shared information as best as we could. Our communication director became the communication specialist for the county for like the first 48 hours. And our email communication to our members was check on your neighbors. Hmm. You know, like let's yep. just neighbor to neighbor. How are we taking care of each other? Who do you know on your street that might need help? And And we've got volunteers standing by. Uh, one of my staff members, her mom, they've got chickens. So she was delivering quiches. You know, it's like, what's your special gift? 
what skill do you have? Sure, um, I've got eggs. I can help out. Yes. She made a lot of quiches. So we just connected people. That's what we do. We, we found people that had pumps for basements and we delivered them to people that needed them. We checked in on neighbors and, and helped bring volunteers to the people that needed them most. When describing, you know, the Yellowstone River and and how it is a wild river and you live in a wild space, one of the other things that exists in that wild space are some large predators, not without controversy, the grizzly bear, the wolf. How does PCEC play in that space? We live in a place with wild predators and that's part of the reality of living in Mm -hmm. County. PCEC has worked on coexistence mostly with grizzly bears for a very long time. You know, we helped Cook City when they were having problems with grizzly bears in the dump. We also supported Gardner. So those communities are really on the front lines of living predators. I mean, there's grizzly bear. I was talking to somebody in in Gardner just this week and bison are everywhere. And he was saying how much he loves that, you know, his commute really just involves waiting for bison to move. Despite having a lot of like political lifestyle differences, people really um, value that, you know, but but people have different needs when it comes to living with predators. And we consider predators our neighbors and, you know, we have to be good neighbors and people in Park County know that. But they're also a threat to the livelihood of many in your community as well. So how do you kind of manage that um, economic interest piece? Well, that, that's so interesting you bring that up because we work with a group of local businesses. They're wildlife guides and business owners that have come together and formed a group called Wild Livelihoods. Okay. Their livelihoods depend upon an intact ecosystem. They're working together. We worked with them. You know, one of our success stories was on uh, wolves and seeing that there is a kind of a state-led effort there was at least 2021 to manage predators with lethal methods. And this group came together to, to challenge that. And they were successful to, in restoring a, a, a lower wolf quota after 21 Yellowstone wolves were killed in Southern Park Lonnie. To say that while li- the livelihoods of many people here depend upon an intact ecosystem, grizzly bears, wolves, And I would say kind of from an agricultural producer perspective, I think there's this this story in Montana about bears and wolves being a threat to livestock, and they are, but I don't think they're the biggest threat. I think you'd be surprised that that actually ranchers in our community are more concerned about elk and brucellosis. Yep. And it's not the the grizzly bears and the, the, the wolves that bother them quite as much. Not to say that there aren't deep-rooted issues there for sure, but you know, not so much that they're going to show up in Helena and ask for quotas. It, it's the opposite. We're seeing people in this community saying, "These are our neighbors, and we need to figure out how to live together." Yeah, and often it's you know people like to talk about numbers and quotas and totals, but often it's less about the number in a population and more about the distribution of that population on the landscape, whether they're in the lowlands, the highlands, and public land on private land, et cetera. So that that is a piece of the puzzle as well, I would assume. Yeah. I mean, at worst, Park County is like, it's like 60 some percent, pretty high percentage of public lands. Right. And then of course, you know, Gardner and Cook City are surrounded by 
bordered by the national park and then forest all around. So mm-hmm. yeah, we have a lot of public lands. And and grizzly bears, they do wander into communities. They're in Gardner for sure. And um, Gardner has a great uh, bear-proof gardener program. In Livingston, we're working with the city. The city um, just enacted uh, uh, the first effort to require bear-proof cans subdivisions. County is working on bear-proofing the green boxes. You know, those are like where we put our garbage in the county. Bears do wander into places where people are, but they don't really want to be there, you know. So we have a responsibility as the people that live here. So how do we make sure that they're not being rewarded with garbage or even apples on the ground? Learning to live with wildlife is is really fundamental to our wildlife work as well in, in coexistence. So Michelle, in our remaining minutes here, talk about how folks listening can get engaged in the issues that you are outlining here. How, how would you advise people who want to be a part of um, collaboration and um, you know good faith dialogue? How would you advise them to get engaged? Well, I, I sure would love to make a plug for PCEC. I know that we're doing work that matters to people all over the state. People love Yellowstone. They love the river. They love Paradise Valley. So I'd encourage folks to go to our website. It's pcecmt.org. You can sign up for emails there or become a member. More broadly than that, I think that you know we all have a responsibility to show up in our community um, and to show up in spaces where we can have dialogue. I don't think that uh, public meetings are the best place for people to have dialogue about issues. Generally, when people show up to public meetings, they're feeling adversarial, like they have to make their point and win. So we need more spaces where people can come together and just have conversations. At PCEC, we do a series called Our Community Conversations, mostly online right now, and that happened during the pandemic. But we'll we'll talk about issues and invite people and just create space uh, for dialogue. We need to be creating more space. Everybody needs to kind of be committed to that, you know, to showing up. So I think the more that we show up and give updates, here's what we're working on, what do you think, in non-adversarial spaces, the better off we're going to be when it gets to that point where we're faced with a hard decision, you know, because we already kind of know each other. We know where we're coming from. And most Montanans live in small towns or rural communities. And I think that's there's a lot of and those are the places where we have wildlife in our backyards, public lands, rivers and issues that, you know, are environmental issues. they are also community issues. And I think that's something that really sets PCEC apart is we we see ourselves as a community organization. And that community includes, you know, a very wild ecosystem and the people that live there. Absolutely. Well, Michelle, I, I certainly appreciate that sentiment. I appreciate the work that you and your colleagues at PCEC do. And um, I appreciate you spending some time with us to talk about it today. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you inviting me to the conversation. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a generous gift from UM alums Michelle and Lauren Hanson.
A New Angle is presented by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. With additional support from Consolidated Electrical Distributors, Drum Coffee, and Montana Public Radio. Keely Larson is our producer. VTO, Jeff Amet, and John Wicks made our music. Editing by Nick Mott. Social media by AJ Williams. And Jeff Meese is our master of all things sound. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.